Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. And in this episode, I am speaking with Dr. Mateo Vidales. That's not to say that like million dollar practices can't be a good buy. Like they, they can definitely be a good buy if you're looking for for cash flow, like in you know immediate cash flow. And if you can step into that, the previous doctor's role, yeah, it can definitely be a good deal. I'm not saying that, that it can't be. It's just like my, my blueprint is to take these underperforming practices and give them, you know, give them value. So I took a whatever $300,000 practice and now it's, you know, doing 1.2. And I, I created that value from what it was worth when I bought it to what it's worth if I sell it now. Whereas if I bought a million dollar practice to get it to, you know, to 2 million is going to be a little bit, a little bit more difficult because it already has, you know, good systems in place. You know, it already has things that work well. And it's such a great episode. He is doing fantastic. He's located in Lakeland, Florida, and he just acquired another practice in Tampa, Florida. So it's growing. He, he is growing. And it's an interesting episode because they're both acquisitions. So he kind of gives us the ins and outs of how that all came to be, how he acquired this practice. But he has like a formula. He has a system to know what's a good acquisition for him. Right. Um, and maybe for you too. like, uh, how can you tell this is a good practice to take over? And I really like his reasoning behind it. So listen to that. Find that out. He lets us know what's a too good of opportunity with that. What what you should maybe kind of like let go of unless you have the right skill set for it and things like that. So he lets us know all about the acquisitions. Um, we also talk about how he, he has his whole practice running, how he had to kind of switch out almost all the employees when he acquired the practice except for two and how that went, how he was letting them go, what was happening and so forth. We also discuss how his collections is super close to his productions. He's doing fantastic, by the way, very, very well. But he's striving to get 100% or really, really close to the 100% mark of, of collections. So listen in to see how he's gunning for that, right? We also discuss the bonus structure with his employees and the bonus structure with his hygiene. And we also talk about how you can handle an employee if they're kind of like wishy-washy. Maybe they're missing a couple days because of an excuse, but to them, it's a big excuse, right? And then, you know, we know how like right now switching out employees or just letting employees go, it might be more of a hassle you know, to let someone go and find someone than to like just deal with some of their little little things that they have going on. So he dives into that topic a little bit more and he lets us know uh, something that he does that I think is fantastic um, on how he can hold the person accountable, how the whole team can hold each team member accountable when they're lacking or when they're missing a day and so forth. So very, very good system that he's built right there too as well. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Mateo Vidales. Mateo, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. That's good, man. Where are you located? I'm in Lakeland, Florida. So it's uh, between Tampa and Orlando. Nice. Okay. How'd you, how'd you come about to be there? I was working in Orlando and I just saw uh, an opportunity on uh, the Lakeland area. It was uh, too good to pass up. So I uh, just jumped on it and uh, bought a practice. Nice. Okay, man. So then... 
tell us, tell us a little bit more. Tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today? Like dental wise, uh, <laughs> so I graduated 2018 from Nova. I worked about a year in uh, Orlando. Um, then a year out, I uh, decided to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty hard at first. At first, it was uh, you know about a practice that wasn't doing so well, and uh, had to really turn it around. Uh, now we're we're doing pretty good. I have an associate, and I'm uh, hoping to to close on a second practice, hopefully before the end of the month. Really? Why wasn't it doing so good at the beginning? Just it wasn't managed well. The doctor there, he, he was an associate for some absentee owners. So it was, he just was there to collect his daily rate and he just didn't really care. And then the, there was a lot of uh, treatment that just wasn't getting done and just a lot of inefficiencies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, man. When you graduated from dental school, has this always been a thing? Like, oh man, I want to own a practice or was it more like, nah, it just kind of stumbled upon it? I mean, at some point I, I knew I was, probably going to do it. I was just, during dental school, I was, uh, I was looking at to, you know, what options could get me to, to where I wanted to be the quickest. Mm-hmm. And um, owning shit was the, the only route. Where do you want to be the quickest? I mean, just to be, you know, financially stable, paid off loans, all that good stuff. Do you still have like student loans? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then you graduated, you said, I'm going to do my own practice eventually, right? How long were you associating for before you owned your own practice? So a year. What did you like from your associateships and what did you not? Being an associate, you know, let me not worry about any of the management parts of running a dental practice. I can just focus on getting better at the dentistry, which is you know, really what you need those first few months out of school because it's really difficult to manage plus get better clinically, you know, it, and it's not, not until recently that, you know, that I'm really confident clinically, uh, whereas I just don't have to worry about that. Whereas, you know, the first year out, I was really worrying about, you know, clinical outcomes. How long is it going to take me to do this procedure? Things like that. Now, I, I really don't worry about that. I just, I know that it's, I've done it so many times that it just, it's, it's, I don't give it a second thought. Now I can focus on, on managing and, you know, learning how to manage. To you, do you feel like, do you ever think sometimes when tell like, man, I kind of wish I can just go back and just get that paycheck and then that's yeah. yeah, sometimes. But it's, uh, you know, once you buy your own practice, it's not something that can really be undone easily. Uh, mm-hmm. It is nice to just, you know, do the dentistry and go home and not, not have to worry about it. The thing about being an owner is like you're, you're an owner 24-7. You know, if something goes wrong, you're there. But I've been lucky enough to step back a little bit at clinically. So I, I hired an associate a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've taken most of the clinical responsibilities. And so that, that's let me do a lot more management and a lot more just figuring out, you know, best practices to run the practice the most as efficient as possible. Yeah. When did you start your first practice? So I bought it in October 2019. Oh, man. How did, how did COVID hit? Yeah, it, it was pretty tough. Um, so 2019, October 2019, you know, we were just, I was just getting my feet on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. I just bought it. And then, of course, like a few months later, March 2020, every, you know, the world stopped. That was really scary because obviously I didn't know what to do. Nobody knew what to do. But, you know, as a new business owner, you're, you know, you're really 
scared. You know, how am I going to pay my employees? You don't really have that many, that much in cash reserves. But, you know, we, we got past it. And now knowing that I could get past something like that, I'm, a lot of the other challenges are just not as difficult or that was something that could have, that could have ended, you know, my, my practice really quick. Yeah. Looking back, what did you feel like you did really, really well for, to overcome that? Like, what, what are you doing now just in case, I don't know, like, oh my God, there's another variant and everything shut down again or something like that. Being lean, as lean as possible. Like I, I never really, you know, that's something that helped us through that, but it, we never really had a choice in, in the beginning. Like we just, we had to be lean in order to, to survive. And we just kind of kept that going, you know, lean as a personnel wise, you know, having what, just what's necessary, mm-hmm. keeping our expenses reasonable. And of course, like that, that translates to, to higher profits. If you're very productive and you're very lean, that, that makes you very profitable. But you know, I, I am, I am kind of wondering how other practices who, who don't try to be as lean, how, how they were surviving. We were, we were having a tough time, even though our expenses were like really low. So I'm just, maybe, maybe they were more established practice. They had more cash reserves. Yeah. That's the only explanation for that, I think. How lean, how lean are you right now? Like how lean were you compared to now? So our overhead, like overhead to, to profit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, now with the associate, it's not as good as it was. When I was practicing, I was probably at like 55. Now it's a little higher, probably in the 60s. But that's, that's like one of my biggest KPI that I, that I look for, you know, try to keep expenses under control. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So then, I mean, you think about it, Mateo, you got an associate right now. You got an associate because you were doing another practice or you got an associate and you're like, I'm going to do another practice now. I got an associate. So I know that my time in dentistry is kind of limited. I have some shoulder issues. Uh-huh. I need to get it fixed. I just don't know when it's, you know, occasionally it acts up. But I know that I'm probably not always going to be able to practice. So I need to kind of have a, a contingency there, you know, to not be reliant on my, like my own two hands to, to be able to produce. That's kind of like one of the main, main motivators to kind of growing. So, I mean, I, I still practice, but just I don't practice as much as I used to. What happened, if you don't mind me asking, like to your shoulder? Uh, about 10 years ago, I, I just had a sports injury. You know, I was playing racquetball. I got too competitive. I don't even play racquetball. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was one of those things where just, and then it just, it, it's been affecting me for the, you know, ever since it happened, you know, I dislocated my shoulder like 10 times. It's never one of those, like in the movies where you can just pop it back in. I always have to like go to the hospital. So it's, it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. You, you have a little bit of insight. You're like, I mean, you have foresight. You're like trying to, you know what I mean? Make sure you have a, is this it? You're like, I just want two practices. That's it. Or do you have like a, a plan in mind? The plan is, you know, after getting this one up to speed and, you know, seeing what it's capable of, I, I think I can do it again with the second practice. And I, I don't know what the limit is. You know, I, I don't want to limit myself to, you know, this is the goal. I have a goal where, you know, I, I want to, my practice is to produce, you know, X amount so that I can be comfortable. But there, I don't have a set number of practices that I want to get to. I mean, I have a minimum, like minimum, I want at least four. But oh. after that, I'm sure I'll be able to do more. Yeah. If you hit four, then the rest of it is going to be. The second practice that you, was it acquired or is it a build out, like a startup? So it's going to be an acquisition. 
How'd you find this? How'd you find both of them? Brokers. I just start talking to to banks, and then banks tell me what what brokers are in the area in Florida. It's like it's Doctor's Choice, it's Henry Shine, Afco. There's a few. There's a few like like individual people that are buying and selling dental practices. But yeah, those are those are the big three. If you don't mind me asking, what were like the terms of your first acquisition? Like, how do you know for anybody thinking to do an acquisition? What's like the due diligence? It depends on what you're, you know, what you're looking for, because you can't always just pick and choose, you know, where your practice is. I, I always say you kind of have to go to the opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like, oh, I, I really want to practice and say, you know, Orlando and the, pra- the perfect practice is just going to pop up there. The chances of that happening are, are pretty low, not impossible, but, but low. Mm-hmm. So you either have to, you know, do a startup, make your practice to, to what you want or, you know, take an acquisition at a place where it's not ideal to you or it could be ideal to you and then make that work. I kind of chose that one. I didn't want to be in Lakeland, but you know, the, the opportunity just was, was too good. Now the, the second practice is going to be in Tampa, which is going to be a little bit better. But Lakeland is like semi-rural. So it's that you're going to make sure like a lot of, a lot of blue collar patients. So it's a lot of oral surgery, a lot of um, just dentures. <laughs> yeah. What's a too good opportunity? What, why was this opportunity too good? What was it too good? The price of it to what it could be doing. I look for practices that are underperforming, like obviously underperforming. I don't look for the million dollar practices because those practices are difficult to add value to unless your your skill set is like is really wide unless you're really good at say ortho or you know you you could get patients to say yes to invisalign cases all day long or you do all on fours mm-hmm. there's not a lot that you can add to to million dollar practices what i look for is those you know practices with you know good bones things that are underperforming you know usually under under 500 okay where it's been mismanaged so i have the opportunity to come in manage a little bit better increase the production you know increase the value of the practice okay man that's good when you're asking to manage it to better manage it do you ever have to like like this acquisition that you just uh, the first one was it like all right team like everybody in there either you follow this or you're out you know what i mean or how did how did you do that so for the first one, it was like a lot of trial and error because I honestly I didn't know what I was doing. You know, they don't they don't teach you how to hire in dental school. They don't teach you what to look for in employees. So it was a lot of figuring it out as as I went along. I did have to let a few people go because they just they wouldn't. You know, they they had a set way of doing things and they just did not want to to do it the way that I you know that I wanted them to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to let them go. There's some people that adapted, which was great. I have two employees from from the original one that that stayed with me, and you know they've been great. But every everybody else had to be changed out. What they don't tell you is like when you when you buy a practice, you, you also buy a lot of the problems, and a lot of the, the previous drama that it had, mm-hmm. and all that. So you sometimes you do you just have to clean house. You know you start fresh. Yeah. So supposedly, you know when you buy a practice, you're buying. You're buying the patients and you're buying the supposed systems that are there that are making it successful. But, you know, sometimes that's it's not the case. You don't you don't get good systems and you don't get good, good patients. But was that the case for you? Like you didn't get actually the patients were pretty good, but it was just everything 
the systems were, were not there. Everything was kind of a mess. It was a mess because the old doctor, the one that was an associate, was the original owner of that built of that practice. But he lost it through a bankruptcy. And then the new the new owners hired him to run it. So then he basically drove that practice into the ground twice. And then that's when I that's when I came and I, I scooped it up. Yeah. But that's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for like the underperforming type of uh of practices. That's not to say that like million dollar practices can't be a good buy. Like they, they can definitely be a good buy if you're looking for for cash flow, like in you know, immediate cash flow. And if you can step into that the previous doctor's role, yeah, it can definitely be a good deal. I'm not saying that that it can't be. It's just like my my blueprint is to take these underperforming practices and give them, you know, give them value. So I took a whatever three hundred thousand dollar practice and now it's, you know, doing one point two. And I I created that value from what it was worth when I bought it to what it's worth if I sell it now. Whereas if I bought a million dollar practice to get it to, you know, to two million is going to be a little bit, a little bit more difficult because it already has, you know, good systems in place. You know, it already has things that work well. Yeah, it would be, it would, it would cause like you to do more upgrades on like your clinical, you know what I mean? Uh, be leaner, do a lot more in details. I get you. I get you. Like I said, it's not necessarily... I don't want to discourage people from not looking at million dollar practices. It can definitely be a good deal. You just have to make sure it's right for you. Yeah. When it came to the employees where you said like, oh man, they didn't want, they didn't do what I wanted them to do. So like I let them go. Right. What was that? Like, what did you want them to do? So one of the biggest issues when I started was the people who were running the front desk were only we're scheduling to how the, the bag wanted. The bag said, the, the assistant said, hey, don't put too many patients here. It's, you know, it's, it's too much or only, only do it this way. Like they were, they were there from a long time before I came in. So they kind of had a, a system. So when I came in, I, I told them that I wanted things differently. Like, yes, I, I wanted more patients you know, a shorter amount of time and they, you know, they would go behind my back and tell them, you know, just keep it the way, just keep it the way it was, keep it the way it was. And I'm like, you know, what, what's going on? Why, why are things, why isn't it being scheduled according to how I, I, I was telling you? And so they, they just weren't, weren't doing it. So after telling them a few times, I, I can only beg them so much. That's what I learned early on. It's, they have to fit your vision. They have to be able to to go along with what you're you're trying to accomplish, or else they're doing you a disservice. You know, and then and then they're not happy, and, and it shows that they're not happy, and it makes your life harder. So sometimes it's better to part ways. Did it get to the point, Mattel, where you were like walking into the practice and you're like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, I do this." Yeah, I got to that. Yeah, I, I would walk in. I'm like, I don't want to deal with this person. That's kind of what I. When I knew they, they had to go. How do you do that? How do you let them go? Like, how does that conversation go? Uh, it's not my favorite. Before I actually do it, I, I tell them a few times that, you know, hey, you know, please, please fix X, Y, and Z. You know, I really need this to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to work. You know, I hired you for a reason. I tell them, yeah, hey, I want it to work out. And I kind of give them that, the precursor. And then I ask them, you know, again, hey, I asked you to do this. Why isn't it working? Or why aren't you doing what I said? Then, you know, if they keep doing it, then then I tell them, you know, hey, this isn't being done. 
like I asked you to, and I've asked you a few times. And for this reason, I have to, you know, let you go. Because it's, it's, it's difficult to train new, new employees and, and difficult to find employees, especially in like today's job market. Um, so it, hiring and training is, you know, puts a, it is difficult. It, it, it decreases production, really. If I had to fire someone now, I, it would definitely decrease production because I'd have to introduce someone to, to my systems and wait for them to get up to speed. And in that time, we're losing that, that production. That's true. You're right. And then the time it takes to find that person and all that stuff. It's interesting that we're at that time right now. You know what I mean? Where we have to really think about like, even if, I mean, have you ever done that where you're like, how much does this person really suck? Could I just manage a little bit longer with them? You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, in the back of your mind that you have to replace them and you have to be looking. And sometimes it's better to just, you know, cut them and then just suffer that, suffer for a little bit of time until you find somebody else. It really depends on the situation. That's true. So, That's true. I think, I think you're right. It depends on the situation and like how everything's coming along. Okay. So then with all this, I kind of want to dive in a little bit of your practice. What kind of practice do you have? Is it just fee for service, PPLs? You see all kind of people, all kind of insurances or? So we see, I would say like 35% fee for service. And then the rest is a PPO. We do take a little, some Medicare. Um, just because there's a, there's a certain program that's pretty big in this area, mm-hmm. um, that just, it, it, it drives, it's promoted pretty heavily here and it's a lot of, uh, covered services for senior citizens. We don't mind doing a lot of dentures and taking out teeth. Gotcha. That's good. That's good. And then how many employees do you have? Eight. How'd you find them all? How did I find them? Um, like I said, two came with the practice and then indeed, and then, uh, friends of the current employees that are there mm-hmm. or people that they knew from previous practices. And they, they called them up and said, hey, we're looking for someone. You know, it's a good environment. We'll offer you X, Y, and Z. You know, come on over. Yep. And they came over. That's good, man. And then roughly, if you can give me like a good range or as specific as you want to be, like what's production and collection looking like for you? So monthly, we're looking at, so the past few months it was, right under a hundred for collections. Uh, for mm-hmm. production, it was probably like 110 to 115. So we're not at a hundred percent collection yet. That's something that I'm striving for. I mean, you'll never get to a hundred percent, but a lot closer to a hundred percent. You know, just the timing, timing things right with insurance and with this, you know, the, this Medicare program that I told you is, is a little bit tricky. You know, they're asking for, you know, pre-approvals for every patient. So Mm. uh, things get, there's a lag to it. There's a lag between when we do the work and when we get paid. Yeah. Man, that's good. That's still fantastic. I mean, and you're lean, you know what I mean? How many ops do you have? Oh, we have seven. Man, I guess from when you started to now, what systems did you implement where you're like, I'm so proud of this system that I made? Like, it's, it's amazing. That's a good question. I can't really, I don't really have an answer to that. Everything was kind of, um, it slowly got better. It wasn't just from, from one day to another that, you know, I just implemented something and, you know, world changing. It was more of a, hey, you know, this was, we're not doing this so great. Let's find a different way to do it. Just like small corrections here and there. But I can't really point to one particular system where it's, you know, great. 
Yeah. Where was, where do you feel like you had the most uh, struggle with changing or like you feel like I had to keep, keep pivoting, keep pivoting to get it right or to get it close to right? Where did you feel like you're like, we're still not getting it? Like our, our uh, AR is still not happening. It's still not happening. Or like our no shows are still, we still, why is it still sucking? You know, we still struggle with all of that. We're still, you know, trying to perfect all of those things. You know, we still have issues with, like I said, no show, like you said, no shows, AR. A big one is employees, you know, employees kind of knowing what their, you know, what their jobs are, basically. And just uh, having them be responsible for, for their own work, as in, you know, not having me micromanage them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think something that I did that I, that I liked that, that had a good impact was having a, a bonus structure where they felt like they're, if the office does well, they do well. So everyone is motivated to, to keep things lean for, for one and to have the office produce as much as possible. So my, my structure for them is they get a certain percentage, they split a certain percentage mm-hmm. uh, of our collections. So it's like one and a half percent to 2%. It's, it's not like huge, but still it, it keeps them motivated. That's good. I like that. The bonus structure for them, for every single team member. Hygiene has their separate bonus system. How does theirs look, hygiene? Theirs is, there's a formula. It's three times their hourly rate is what their goal is. Anything above their goal, they get 13% of that. Wow. Do, you, do they hit it quite often? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's good motivation. Like, yeah. To let them know that. Your associate, does he have anything like that or no? No, he has a percentage, percentage of collections. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, man, that's good. And then how many new patients are you getting right now monthly? Monthly? That's a good question. I have to have to check. We're looking at, I want to say about 50 to, some months are better than others. It's 50 to 60. Nice, man. Well, but what are you doing for marketing and advertising? Uh, for marketing, the biggest one is word of mouth. That's the best one. It's the cheapest one and the most effective. You can't really be internal marketing. Uh, Google reviews are huge. Uh, Social proof, really. A lot of patients that come in and say, hey, I was looking at dentists in the area. You had the best reviews. You had the most and the best reviews. I really urge people to to get that up, you know, if they're lacking there. And then uh, what are the the software that we use? You know, the practice management software. You know, after the appointment ends, it sends a, a review link automatically. So that's that's pretty pretty effective to to get your to get our Google reviews up. What practice management software do you use? Uh, we use one called Tap Thirty Two. I have a love hate relationship with it. It's uh, sometimes it it causes a lot of problems. Really? Like, like like what problems? So when we first transferred everything over from EagleSoft, it just really didn't transfer anything over right. Like all of all patient accounts were, you know, were raw. We'd have to go like account by account. You know, they didn't transfer everything, everything over. It just gave us a number. It didn't mm-hmm. say if it was that they owed or that they had a credit for, or it didn't tell us anything. It just gave us like, like a number and we had to go back and, and find out what, what exactly that number meant. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was pretty tough. Um, it, it's a really new practice management software. So we're trying to be patient with it, but it causes a lot of headaches. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, I know like there's a lot of cloud ones out there, but 
why, or more and more, right? Like, why did you decide to go with tab 32? Cost. <laughs> How much does it cost? I think right now they, so we had got it when they really first came out with it, where we, we paid, I think it was like 3,700 for the year, which goes up to like 300 something a month. But I think now it's like five, they're charging five something a month for it. And honestly, I don't know if I would use it at that price. Yeah. So when our contract is up, you know, we'll, we'll see what, where things land and see if we, we continue to use them. Yeah. Cause that'll be like changing your whole central nervous system. Like again, you know, it is. Yeah. It's, oh man, changing systems is a huge pain in the ass. Hopefully it's like an easy transition. Whoever, if you decide to do change it up or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's not a decision I take lightly. It's a tough one. Man, uh, okay. Some of the other good ones are like CareStack. That's another one I was, I was really looking into. So yeah, if Tab32 doesn't get it together, you know, with, you know, our contract is up within the next few months. So I'll have to think about it. I mean, not to plug it in or anything like that, but CareStack does sponsor the podcast. So you, you will oh, get it. Oh, what, 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 <laughs> they get like a really good, uh, no, a good deal. They're not bad. Like, um, I was at the practice where they first implemented CareStack. Like the CareStack headquarters is right across the, the parking lot from uh, the practice that I, that I was at in uh, Orlando, Florida. So we were in, I was in a practice called Celebration Dental Group. Mm-hmm. And right across the street was, uh, was the, the building for CareStack. So the, the previous owner of Celebration Dental Group is one of the, uh, the main investors in CareStack. Oh, snap. I didn't even know that. Man. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, if you ever want. He was an orthodontist, but now he's doing the Kirsten. practice management thing. Yeah. A lot of things, a lot of things in real estate. He's a smart guy. Yeah. 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 He's very, he, he has a couple islands somewhere, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely a islands. That's good, man. So then what's been, would you say, your best ROI throughout all of this, actually? Treatment plan acceptance. It's pretty big. Hitting like a wider range of clinical you know, clinical skills and plants mm-hmm. uh, were pretty big. I think that that's, that's probably the treatment plan. I would say probably more so than, than implants because that's something that you, you talk to like every patient and then there's only so many implants that, that people need really. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can convert a higher percentage of patients, you're going to be better off. Like does your team go to, do they get some type of special training or something like that from the treatment or no, you just made it happen? No, it's, it's trial and error. Really. Um, I think what really helps is walking them through what they need and why they need it. And just kind of showing them that you're not just there to try to take their money that, you know, Hey, this is like this, you know, we can try to fix it this way, giving them the options and, you know, kind of talking to them, like you have their best interests at heart. And they, you know, most people have a good like bullshit meter. They, they can tell when, when they're being played really. So yeah. if you, we generally think that, you know, that you're doing what's best for them, then they can, they can feel that and they're more receptive to, to doing treatment. Yeah. Do you show photos and everything like that or no? Yep. Show photos. I mean, more so I, I give them a mirror. I give them a mirror. I'm like, Hey, you know, look at this tooth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, that, so that they're kind of like, they're forced to, forced to look at it. And then, yeah, like I said, it's, it's been, you know, over, over time, you know, treatment acceptance has gone up and you know, th- yeah. things have been good. That's good, man. 
throughout this process, from the moment you, I guess, sign that you're going to own it till today, what do you feel has been your biggest, your biggest struggles, fail, or pitfalls? Managing. Like I said, no one teaches you how to, how to manage. No one teaches you how to hire employees, how to deal with, deal with employees. HR is like always a problem. That's not to say that, you know, I, I don't like my employees. Like, I think they're great, but everyone has their own life and their own struggles. And to be understanding of them while trying to get them to, to do what they need to do is, is tricky. With employees, it, it's always something. Like one day, my, my dog sister's cat sick. I got to, <laughs> it's always something. What do you do in scenarios like that? When, when you feel like it's like, that is so really... Like your dog, sister's cat, like something like that, you know? Like, what do you do? I try to, it depends on every situation, but you know, I can, I can kind of tell when, when they're kind of trying to pull, pull it over. Luckily it doesn't really happen much. And I've gotten rid of the employees who, who do that. <laughs> but, you know, with, with previous employees, you know, I, I kind of, I showed my, my current employees like, Hey, this person was, was always calling out and wasn't, it wasn't there. And I kind of showed them that it affected everyone else. The day when this person is not here, everyone has to work twice as hard to make up for that person not being, you know, hey, you're not being here and you're not doing what you have to do affects everybody. Yeah. And so they kind of buy into, you know, buy into the team. At least I hope. <laughs> at least that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. No, that's, I'm writing that down. That's really smart. Like showing the team members like, hey, look, this is what happens when, Billy is always sick because of his cat or like gone because of his cat, right? Like y'all need to talk to Billy too, you know, kind of deal. Exactly. And it's kind of a little bit of the, the peer pressure from the rest of the uh, rest of the staffs. You know, hey, better be on it. Or, you know, hey, you got to do what, what everyone needs you to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. One of the last questions I want to ask you, Mattel, is how is all of this affecting your personal life? Like if for anybody thinking like, man, I want to do an acquisition make money, you know what I mean? Do all this stuff. But like, so there's that other side of your life, right? Where you're like, I have a great personal life or is it like what? What other side of my life? This is, it. <laughs> <laughs> this is everything, man. Uh, like, do you um, feel like, you know what I mean, right? Like you have time for yourself or kids or anything like that? Or how does it affect you? So I don't have a family right now. That's not to say that I don't want, don't want one in the future. I can see how it's, it would be difficult to do this with kids and, and a family. It does take up a lot of time, but I, I like it a lot. It's what I've put you know, my heart and soul into. I like to see it do well. As far as personal life, I, I did put that on. I had to make sacrifices in my personal life. Like I didn't want to move to Lakeland, mm-hmm. but I ended up moving to Lakeland because the opportunity. But as far as... It can be done. It can definitely be done. You know, you don't really have to sacrifice your your personal life that much, especially if you have a partner who's like who's on board and who's like shares the same goal. That'd be really helpful. And no, I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with my personal life. I hopefully moving to moving to Tampa. You know, I'll I'll have a little bit more uh, more things to do there. And now that I'm not practicing as much clinically, I have a little bit more time. You know, to do things that I like. But I know that's kind of going to go away as, as Tampa starts, you know, as the, the deal closes and I have to get that going. Yeah. How far is Tampa from Lakeland? It's about 
35 minutes, but the practices are about 45 minutes apart. So um, hopefully I'm, I want to live somewhere in the middle. Gotcha. In the middle, what would that be like? That's still, is that city or rural? Or? Yeah, that's, that's still city. Okay. Um, so that'd be like the, the branded area. I don't know. Where are you located? You're in the Pacific. Yeah, LA. So Los Angeles. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about things like, you know, where they are. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know where Orlando's at, uh, but in some other places around there, because other practices talk to me about it. But other than that, I mean, I've never heard of Lake Lynn. So, yeah, a lot of people. Exactly why I didn't want to move here. <laughs> but that's good, man. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that it's going good for you right now. Hopefully, next time we talk on the, on the podcast, because we'll probably talk before after that. But I mean, like on the podcast, you can be like on your fifth practice, man. And, you're like, Michael, you know, I'm just like cake now. This is DSOs. And I mean, you never know what, what life has in store. And you know, I could be happy at, you know, two practices, three practices. I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. That's good, man. So guys, if y'all have any questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out to Mattel. Mattel, if they do have any questions or concerns, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, Instagram, at MattelVid. That's it? That's the only one? That's the one I check the most. All right. Awesome. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below uh, Mateo's Instagram. And Mateo, thank you so much for being with us, man. It was a pleasure. And we'll hear from you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. And Mateo, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. I know it was, uh, I believe, 6 or 7 p.m. Eastern time on your your side. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day uh, to let me be nosy in your life, man. And let us uh, let us dive deeper into your your business and your practices. Guys, if y'all have any questions, feel free to go in the show notes below. Reach out to Mateo. Also, if you want to kind of dive deeper into these episodes, talk a little bit about more of what you've heard in the episode and so forth, you can definitely join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes below. And there you can talk with any of the guests that you hear on the podcast. And also, you can talk about the episodes. And at the same time, I know we kind of alluded to it a little bit, but don't forget CareStack does sponsor the podcast. Every single person listening gets an exclusive deal. Well, first and foremost, you get 10 days for free, meaning like if you just want to try them out, you get a 10 day free trial. That's it. No strings attached. None of that stuff. You don't have to give them all these tons of information and check an account on that. No, it's just, hey, I want to try out CareStack for, for 10 days. See how it is. You can try them out. And if you like them, then you guys get an exclusive deal and you can check out that deal. It's actually going to be the first link in the show notes below. So check that out. The second link will be the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group and so on. So if you are interested in CareStack, definitely go in the show notes below and check out the exclusive deal. But like I said, just get the 10-day free trial. There's no strings attached, nothing. If you like it, cool. If you don't, then okay. At least you know what it's all about. So go ahead and do that. And thank you so much for always supporting the podcast, Uh, guys. I really, really appreciate you. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.